there's always an underlying lesson or theme in everything that I write, even though the story itself is fun and adventurous. Welcome to Monster Complex. I'm Will Christopher, editor of MonsterComplex.com. If you're a monster fan or a monster hunter, then you're in the right place. Monster Complex is devoted to monster fiction in all its forms, from books to movies to TV and other media, from Frankenstein to Godzilla, Buffy to X-Files, Ultraman to Hellboy. Stick around for author interviews, lists, special features, and more. Author Jennifer Meinking is a doggedly determined mom with an overactive imagination, a thirst for adventure, and a life that is rarely boring. She writes the Loki of Midgard books, a historical fantasy series which follows Loki on Earth during the Roaring Twenties, featuring adventure and clean romance. In this interview, Jennifer and I discuss the nature of alternate history stories, how her version of Loki compares to other iterations of the mythological character, and the crazy number of spinoffs she has planned. Your Loki of Midgard books are mashups of alternate history, fantasy, paranormal romance. How do you explain the parameters of a Loki of Midgard novel? Well, for one, it's something that can appeal to a lot of different people. It can appeal to people who like historical fiction. It can also appeal to people who enjoy fantasy, um, people who love to fact check and are very accurate in their reading. It would appeal to them. Um, it's been fun to write it because I get to cross genres that perhaps other people might not cross. So it makes me feel a little rebellious at times. What made you want to hit on all these different things at the same time? Uh, that was not planned. Uh, it, it just kind of happened. As I was writing and staying true to the story, especially deciding to set the character in a certain historical period, of course, there is the historical, historical elements of that that I wanted to stay true to. So that brought into the historical, and then Loki himself is a fantastical character. So, of course, there had to be some of the fantasy in there and the myth and then the story that I wanted to tell started out as a romance. So, of course, that goes into the romance aspect of it. I ended up dipping into urban fantasy without even realizing that I had done that. And also, it's literary fiction, which was also unintentional. That just happens to be the way that I write. I don't want to write without purpose. So there's always an underlying lesson or theme in everything that I write, even though the story itself is fun and adventurous. Now, at the time that we're talking, there are two books in the series, right? Yes, two that have been published. I'm working on the third currently. Okay, are both of them, uh, and possibly the third one, are they all in the Roaring Twenties? Yes, the entire five book series of Loki of Midgard will be set um, basically 1924, 1925, and then going into it will end around 1929, 1930, but still that basic time period. And then I have other material that's set in other time periods. So how does your version of Loki compare or contrast with other Lokis that we know from mythology and pop culture? Oh, there's so many of them out there. Um, every single Loki out there is going to have the elements of mischief and the trickster. And so, of course, I've stayed true to that. He's a bit of a, a rascal at times. He's definitely the trickster. He likes to play pranks. Um, for him, it's, it's mostly all in good fun. If you read Norse mythology, a lot of times um, Loki kind of stepped in it a lot. 
Um, he didn't necessarily mean to cause havoc, except for that one story with uh, Balder and, uh, you know, basically plotting his death. That, that was a pretty bad thing to do. But for the most part, you know, when Loki messed up, he did try to kind of fix it. And so I took elements of that in my version. Uh, a lot of the different versions out there make him more villainous than mine is. Mine is more of a, he's a younger version for one. So it's kind of before he gets really disillusioned about life and everything that can happen. So he does have a sweet side. He has a gentlemanly side. Um, very much cares about uh, justice. He gets offended at things that we would normally get offended at, injustices and the like. So I wouldn't say that he's, he's not a villain, for sure. Um, more of an anti-hero, but maybe even more of just very, very misunderstood. So something you just said was uh, interesting. Um, so your story, the story that you were telling is set before then some of the things that he does later. Do you have in your mind where he ends up in like mythology and you're kind of explaining some of that or is it just a separate thing that happened? I do explain mythology um, in a very unique way. Um, it is, things are not as they seem as often is the case. The nice thing about mythology is you really can take it and, and do different things with it that the reader doesn't expect. So I have explained where the stories came from because obviously the, the Norse mythology was written over a thousand years ago. Uh, at least two of the, the main things where we get our, our Norse mythology from, the poetic Edda and the prose Edda. So I've taken those and basically they are very twisted versions of what actually happened. So I have that whole element of this is what was written, this is how we understand the character, but this is really what it is. So I've had fun doing that, but then also there is an element in pulling in what, um, what's been done on film of showing a little bit of how that character gets to more of a, a disillusionment and some of the reasons for why he's so unhappy and jaded. Uh, of course, my material is completely separate from um, the film versions uh, but, of course, if they wanted to use some of my material, they could always talk to me about that. But it is separate, but yet it also draws a lot from the Norse mythology. I have other Norse mythological characters in there, and I've really had a lot of fun with taking those stories and, and changing them and coming up with different solutions for, okay, well, this is what the story says, but this is where they got the inspiration from, and these are the actual true life events, if you will. So what inspired you to write these books? Well, my daughter did, uh, first and foremost. We were going to do a, um, a Marvel marathon for her 16th birthday. And we were really interested in the character Loki and what the actor who plays him did with that character, the woundedness that it showed, and just different stories that were left untold, which of course was a very unsatisfying feeling for me saying, oh, I think there's more to this story than we're, we're being given here. And so originally I had just planned to write a nice little thing just for my daughter and I. And uh, some of that inspiration came from mythology. Some of it came from the film. Some of it came from the comics. And then as I began to get to know the character more and see different versions, I really got fascinated. And this universe just ended up exploding in my head and taking different directions that I never intended uh, 
but I had kept my inner author locked up for 20 years. So I guess when I let her out, she was saying, oh, we have so much time to make up for. So before we move on to your stuff, I have to find out about this Marvel Marathon. Was it, um, was it all of the movies? What, were, how, what was this marathon? <laughs> well, it was before, it was in preparation for Infinity War, which, no, I'm, I'm sorry, that's not correct. It was in preparation for Endgame. Infinity War had just come out, and she really wanted to watch all of the movies back-to-back, as many as we could fit into a weekend. So this was Labor Day weekend of 2018, and we went to a friend's house, um, and we just, we had all of our snacks and and everything prepared, and we sat down and we watched back-to-back as many of the movies as we could fit in. There were a couple we fast-forwarded through because we'd seen it so many times we just didn't care anymore. But um, we got through almost all of them. We did skip one or two, but I think it was 29 movies at the time, if I'm remembering correctly. I could be wrong about that. But yeah, absolutely. We, we did as many as we could. That's all we did that weekend. That's really cool. So your series, the Look of Midgard books, there is historical stuff happening and there's stuff you're making up. And then you're also, uh, it's grounded also in mythology and all of these other things. So when you're mixing all of these things together, how important is it, get the, is it to get the facts right, and how much of it do you just say, well, this is my own thing, I don't have to worry about the facts? I'm a very factual person, so the facts are extremely important to me, maybe more so than they should be. <laughs> so I have probably done more research than I've done writing. I have researched even tiny little things. For instance, in the second book, there's a prank war that happens, and looking at the types of pranks that you can play on people I had to be very careful. Um, For instance, I would have loved to do some kind of glitter bomb, but glitter did not exist in the 1920s, so we couldn't do that. And I didn't feel that that was something that I could say, oh, well, this is just my own universe. I'll stick it in there anyway. I wanted to be very, very consistent to the period, um, very consistent to the materials that they had available to them. For the most part, I've stayed consistent with the language. The only times that I've deviated away from that is with the actual Asgardians themselves because they are from a different planet. So anytime Asgard starts to come into play or Asgardians, I've taken a a little bit more liberty. Um, One of the really cool things is that sometimes I have written something, not necessarily sure if I can back it up or not, and then someone will give me evidence that shows that it actually did happen that way which uh, was really cool. I've had a couple of readers clue me in and show me articles and different things that said, hey, did you mean to do this? And sometimes I go, yeah, I absolutely did. And then other times I'm going, did not know that. (laughs) But I have tried to be as thorough as possible. Why did you choose the Roaring Twenties as the, the context for this series? So that came from a couple of different places. Originally, as I said, I was planning to just make this something that could fit into the Marvel Universe. I wasn't planning to publish. I wasn't planning to do anything. I wasn't going to make my own universe. And just calculating based on where I wanted to go with the story, um, I knew that it needed to be somewhere between the turn of the century and World War II to be able to fit into the time frame of, of the Thor movies. And I saw bits and pieces of a movie that, um, Tom Hiddleston is in called a midnight or I think it's 
Midnight in Paris is the name of the movie. I haven't actually watched the entire thing. It's him and Owen Wilson are in it together, and he plays the character of Scott, uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald. And seeing uh, the portrayal of, of Hemingway and Picasso and some of, of those uh, characters in that film made me think there is really a lot that I could do with the Roaring Twenties. It was a very exciting time. It was a, a time where people were thinking differently about certain things. And, um, of course, it was between wars. So there's a lot of different things that I could do historically with it. So that's really where that came from. It just made the most sense with the story that I wanted to tell. You did a lot of research. Yes. What, what did you do for your research? I went to a lot of different sources. Um, I read articles. I spoke with people, um, especially- Who did you talk to? What, what kind of people did you speak to? People who live um, in the places that I was writing about. Um, I really wanted to be accurate because my, my material kind of is almost like a tour of certain places in the world. The, the first place that Loki goes to is Norway. And Norway, really doesn't, as, as far as I know and remember, Norway is not really talked about a whole lot in America. Um, and it is an amazing, fascinating place. So as I, I, I really want to go there someday now, but as I was researching and looking into what would, what would Norway have felt like in the Roaring Twenties, I was only able to get so far in my own research, you know, as an American looking at American sources. And so I actually spoke with a few people. Um, one lives in Norway at the moment. Uh, and then I spoke with one of my readers who is half Norwegian and his father was born um, in Norway. And so I wanted to be very accurate and consistent with um, Norwe the Norwegian way of life and culture and the way that, that it looks and feels. I've had a couple of my readers tell me they never would have guessed that I haven't been to some of the places that I've written about um, because I've been so thorough in my research. I've watched videos. I've looked at pictures. Um, I've looked at books. Um, I've spoken to people in Paris, Germany, London, had them read my scenes, make sure they were accurate, tell me places where I needed to um, adjust. The current material that I'm writing is in America, so that's a little bit easier. But especially for Europe, I really wanted to be true to um, just Europe as a whole. You've already said uh, it's a two two books are out, five books are planned. Yes, um, and you said it all takes place in the twenties. Yes, um, is 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 that the whole plan for you, or is is do you have like other books or spinoffs or other things that you're thinking? Because you you put so much work into this world. What, what is the future for you writing in this world? Well, like I said, uh, the universe exploded in my head. <laughs> so if I can keep the original Loki of Midgard series to five books, the plan is five books. After we're done, after I'm finished with that st story, my daughter and I plan to co-author a follow-up series called The Frozen Star. I have no idea how many books that's going to be. However many it takes us to tell that story. Then I have another spin-off series um, called The Olympian Eclipse, which is um, more Greek mythology, but also features some of the, uh, the Norwegian or the Nordic um, myths. Just a lot of, of characters interlocking and weaving and interacting with each other. 
that one is going to be focused on the story for one of my main characters, who is Loki's older brother, Balder, and his best friend, Hod, and they go on this quest. So that's Olympian Equip, uh, Eclipse, sorry, Olympian Eclipse. And then I have another spin-off series called The Adventures of Balder and Hod, which is going to be those same two characters. And this is going to be more like a romp through history uh, because they are as guardians who came down to Earth um, basically about a thousand years ago. And all of their adventures and what they've done and different cultures that are going to be in there. So that's one. I have a whole series planned for another character whose name is Kristoff. He is a Norwegian, and so that will have a very Norwegian feel to it. Um, he also fought in World War I, which was one of my fact checkers' uh, fun tips that the Norwegians actually did sneak themselves in to fight with different armies when they're um, when they didn't have the opportunity to fight for their own country. And I didn't know if that was the case. I figured it probably was, but then it was confirmed for me, which was really cool. So that's the Kristoff series. Then I have um, a prequel series, which is a story about Frigga and Odin, uh, Loki's parents, that actually has very significant ramifications for the original Loki of Midgard series. That started as a short story just so that I could understand one character that I was bringing in. I needed to know his backstory. And uh, a short story turned into 38 chapters, and I'm still not done. So <laughs> that's probably going to be two or three books. And then the final book that's going to wrap everything together, all of the characters, everything that they're doing is going to be called Loki's Torch. And that's going to be kind of like my conclusion to the entire universe as long as I don't go on any other tangents that, that is so many more books than I expected <laughs> that, that answer to be I have a problem <laughs> wow that's a that's uh, do you have a, a big chart do you have notes on the wall how do you keep track believe it or not I do everything on my phone um Anyone who reads my bio will find out I have a lot of children. So my house is very loud, very busy. And if I were stuck to my computer all the time or even to a physical location where it would be like a, things on the wall or that sort of thing, it, it just wouldn't happen. So I basically have the equivalent of that on my phone. I have, um, I've got a timeline that I have for when certain things happen to certain characters. It's very lengthy. I have a, a document called Future Plot Points. I have, of course, all of the material that I've already started that I'm working on, and I have to go back and, and check and make sure that I'm not deviating. And sometimes I even have to go back and read my first and second book. We're working on an audio book right now. So, um, so yeah, lots of stuff happening. I try to stay organized. I do have some things on my computer, but most of it's on my phone. And I do most of my writing on my phone as well. That's very impressive. <laughs> you figure out, you figure out what you got to do to get it done. Right. You've already mentioned some of, some of this answer, but I, I'm thinking now about your influences. So you're a storyteller, you're writing stories, and you've already said there's an influence, you know, mythology's an influence, history's an influence. Um, who would you say, like, what authors or books would you say are influences on you as a storyteller? Oh, absolutely, hands down, Tolkien. I have been a Tolkien nerd since I was a child, and um, just have read 
a lot of his material. I love the way that he, I love his world building, how it just seems like when you read his material, you're becoming a part of his world. And that has always impressed me so much. So he has influenced me. Um, Dickens has influenced me. Tolstoy influenced me quite a bit in the writing of my second book. I really like how Tolstoy brings real life into his literature, and I've tried to do the same. Um, even though mine has a more fantastical element to it, there's still real characters with real stories, real heartaches, real conflicts, real resolutions, um, real struggles. And so I take a lot of um, inspiration from life as well. And let's see, Marissa Meyer is another author that I really admire. I absolutely loved her. Uh, series, The Lunar Chronicles. That's one thing that has influenced me. Um, I'm trying to think of, of other ones. I've, I've read so much literature in my life that, you know, they say good readers make good writers, and I devour books, so I'm probably leaving out quite a few. Um, Bodie Taney is one of the authors that has influenced me as far as from a historical fiction perspective. Um, the gentleman who wrote the, um, I'm going to get his name wrong. I keep thinking Gideon, but I'm not sure that that's correct. There's a gentleman who wrote a series of historical romance books that spanned from the very beginning of the, the, uh, the Puritans coming to Plymouth all the way up through Western, um, like the Wild West period, and that's that's when I lost track of him. I, I cannot remember his name, but he, he has also influenced me. Tremendous amount of research, you can tell, in his writing. The characters are so well done. The story is very adventurous. Even though it's romance, it never stays with just romance. It's never the kind that makes you want to gag on whatever you're eating at the time. Uh, just lots of reality in it in a way that's so well done. So he's influenced me for sure as well. I could probably think of more, but I think that's a pretty good start. If I had to pick one facet of your book and then say, well, here are other people that do that facet. Like if I did a list of paranormal romance, would you fit there or would you fit more with here's a list of alternate history or here's a list of uh, urban fantasy I, mean, I, I guess think technically I could do all of those. Probably urban fantasy is going to be the best fit. And it's tough because I really don't fit because right. I, I, I go, the series as a whole um, would probably fit more in a uh, status type of fiction where the character is seeking status throughout the entire series. But each book has a bit of a different genre. The first one is very much coming-of-age adventure. The right. second one is almost exclusively romance, but it also has a lot of adventure in it. Um, the third one is more of a touring kind of thing with adventure and mystery. The fourth one is going to be very much war. And the fifth one, I haven't gotten that far enough to decide what genre it's in. Right. But all of it really does fit, for the most part, with what readers have as far as expectations for urban fantasy, even though it's not modern. It would right. be more of the um, the Roaring Twenties urban fantasy because there is a lot of city action that happens. The the um, the takeaway points that are there for urban fantasy, I touch on most of that. Paranormal romance, 
I think that a lot of people looking at the paranormal romance are looking for something maybe a little steamier than when I, what I write. Right. So that may not be the best fit. I tend to write wholesome, clean romance. I don't know if that answers your question or not. It does. Um, yeah, I remember when we had some of our correspondence that you were, you were in such a unique space, it was difficult to figure out what it was like. <laughs> I mean, you look at George Lucas and what he did with Star Wars. You know, they were trying to fit him into a mold of, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. And he basically said, watch me. And he changed right. the entire entertainment industry. So sometimes it just doesn't fit. And when you try to make it fit, it kind of gets a little bit ruined. Right. Well, you know, new genres pop up all the time. Mm -hmm. The historical fantasy genre, which is what we decided to market under, Right. Even though it probably is a better fit for urban fantasy, but the historical fantasy genre is fairly new. It's not something that existed maybe even five or ten years ago. I'm not really sure, but who knows? Maybe your story and my story, there will be some kind of new genre. I have no idea what it would be called. Okay, so is the historical fantasy, is the historical part supposed to be, is it like the historical version of urban fantasy? It's the real world plus this element? When they call it historical fantasy? Yeah, I think, yes. The real world with some kind of magical, fantastical element. I think when it's truly historical fantasy, it's either equal or the historical outweighs the fantasy. Right. And I would say that in my first book, the historical outweighs the fantasy, but through the series as a whole, they're pretty equal because okay. there's a lot of Asgardian world building later. And I wouldn't really, even though they're technically aliens, the Asgardians are from a different planet, I wouldn't it doesn't really have a sci-fi feel to it, except for when certain technology comes into play. If somebody's listening to the interview and they're hearing about you for the first time or the books for the first time, is there something that you really want them to know or is there some misconception about your books that you're like, okay, please don't make this mistake? Yes, actually. I've had so many people tell me that they won't even give it a try because they say, well, I don't like the character Loki. And I always tell them, you don't have to like char the character Loki. You don't have to know anything about the Marvel Cinematic Universe because this is its own story. Um, my Loki is a unique character. And I would just say to not go into it with preconceived notions and let the character develop himself as the series progresses. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Monster Complex. Become a Monster Complex member. Find out how to join our family at patreon.com slash monstercomplex. Subscribe to our free online magazine at monstercomplex.com. I'm Will Christopher. We'll see you again for the next episode of Monster Complex. Monster Complex.